Well, throughout um, history, um, whenever people's um, freedom has been threatened, um, someone eventually arises or invariably arises to rally uh, people to stand up against evil and injustice and lead them to gain or to maintain uh, their rights as free citizens. So, for example, in the 13th century, there was a man by the name of William Wallace. Do we have any Scots people here this morning? Brenda, you're Scots, are you? Wow, I always thought you were a Geordie. Anyway, so William Wallace, he was the man who led um, the Scots to resist um, English, English rule in what was known as uh, the, the first uh, Scottish War of Independence. Who remembers the movie Braveheart? Yeah, and Mel Gibson and that incredible scene. We should have a, 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 a do we have a thing up on that? That's the one with the kilt up. No, we're not going to show that one. We won't show that one. Typical Scots person, by the way. Can't take them anywhere. And in, in, that, in that movie, there's this uh, great scene uh, where William Wallace, I won't do the Scottish accent, but he says, I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free man, and free man you are. What would you do with that freedom? Will you fight? I fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dine in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for the one chance, just one chance, to come back and hear and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our Thank you. You have some movie buffs there. Then there was, um, then there was Martin Luther King Jr., who rose up to uh, lead the civil rights movement in 1960s back in America to break the imposition of, of uh, segregation. And you might recall that uh, remarkable speech that, um, that this man gave, um, uh, I have a, that, that I Have a Dream speech. And he finished off that speech in which he mentions freedom a number of times. And he finishes off his speech with these words, Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, free at last. And then there's Nelson Mandela, um, who rose up to fight for the freedom of those oppressed by um, South Africa's apartheid system. A man who I just um, so incredibly admire. And his autobiography is called The Long Walk to Freedom. And one of the main stories uh, of the Old Testament is of God raising up Moses as a deliverer to uh, free the Israelites from their enslavement in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh and they told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go, free my people so that they might worship me. And every year at Passover, Jewish people um, around the world gather to remember and retell the Exodus story of their deliverance um, out of slavery and their journey into, into freedom. And um, when we come into the New Testament, this theme of freedom continues. And the Christian life, let me tell you that the Christian life begins with freedom from guilt. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14 says that God has purchased 
our freedom with Christ's blood and has forgiven some of our sins. Has forgiven most of our sins. No, has forgiven all of our sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says that God is so... You guys are getting really kind of into this thing of communicating back. It's fantastic. Um, Ephesians 1 7 says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I don't want you to answer me, but what's the worst thing that you've ever done? What's the worst thing? Think about it for a moment. What's the worst thing that you've ever done? Well, I want to tell you from God's perspective, all of your failures... And even the one that you're most ashamed and most embarrassed by is fully forgiven and fully forgotten by God. You're free from guilt. And your past mistakes will never, ever be used in evidence against you. Obviously, we don't have naughty people in this church who don't find that particularly... uh, for those of us who are pretty good at sinning, that's great news. You see, our guilt has been nullified by the blood of Jesus. The most potent substance in the universe is the blood of Christ that is able to nullify and wipe out our sin. So for goodness sake, don't keep beating yourself up over something that God has already forgiven and laid to rest. Quit telling God how bad you are. Quit telling God how bad you are because good news is you are free from guilt. And that's worthy of a... Beautiful. Not just that, there is also another kind of freedom that's spoken of in the New Testament. And it's freedom from the power of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Of sin. Now, sin is that which stops us from being the best me we can possibly be. And the power of sin, or as Paul calls it here in Romans 6, is our old sinful self. And it's that force that's at work within us that is sabotaging us and stopping us from being the person we were created to to be. And many of us find ourselves in uh, that destructive cycle of saying and doing things that we don't want to say and that we don't want to do, but no matter how hard we try, we can't seem to stop. We'd like to be more patient um, or we'd like to be more kind, but we're not. We have a tendency perhaps to lash out at those who are closest, closest to us. And when we do, we feel bad about it. 
we wish we were different, but despite our best efforts, we can't seem to experience sustained change. And this is what the Bible is referring to when it talks about the power of sin or our old sinful self. You know, every year there are hundreds, if not thousands, of self-help books that are published. And the question is, why? And the reason is, is that people want to change. People are desperate to change. People are not happy with the way they're living their life and they want to be different. They want to become the person that they know they should be. And so we buy a self-help book. We discover that there is another way of living our lives and there's just one problem. That is that the book doesn't provide us with the power that's needed to implement what we've read. Do you understand that? Self-help books can contain great principles, but they just don't provide the power that's needed to change. There's a word for it when we don't have the freedom to resist this internal force that's at work within us. It's called addiction. And freedom is having the power to say yes to the right things and the power to say no to the wrong things. You with me? So here in Romans 7 is how the Bible describes this um, addictive habitual force which is at play within us. The trouble, it says, is with Me. Turn to the person next to you and say, The trouble is with me. The trouble is with me. You see, the world would be a completely different place if we would just admit that the trouble is with me. It's not my parents, it's certainly not the pastor. It's not the government, it's not the church, it's not your teachers, it's not your boss, it's not your spouse. The trouble is with me, my old sinful self, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is Sin living in me, that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing, doing wrong. It is sin. There's this force living in me that does it. And Paul goes on to say, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. I love what is right. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. 
oh, what a miserable person I am. You can hear, sense Paul's frustration. Who will free me? Is there any hope? Can I be free from this old sinful self that, has domin- that is domin- dominating my life? And his response is, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that good news? See, Jesus is the answer who frees us from the problem of our old sinful self. You see, what we try to do is we try to reform or we try to restrain that part of us that is bent toward doing the wrong thing. But God doesn't set us on a kind of reform agenda. Instead, God says, let's kill you. Let's just put it to death. Let's deal with it once and for all. And the good news is this, is that God has taken that old sinful self, that power that works within us, that addictive part of us that cannot do the right thing, and he crucifies it together with Christ. So in Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, My old self, that is the part of me that can't do right, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I love the Passion Translation. It says, My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the Anointed One lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. And listen to this. Dispenses his life into mine. You see, folks, this is what makes Christianity, in my view, so unique and profoundly distinct. Christianity promises us the power we need to live the life we are called to live. We're not just given an ideal to live up to. God doesn't doesn't present us this picture of Christ and say, now go ahead, try and live like Jesus. We are actually given the very life of Christ, the nature of Christ, to enable us to live the Christ life. And what our job is, is to nurture the nature of Christ that is now living within us. When you get that, everything changes. And when you don't get that, As we've discovered, as we've been going through the book of Galatians, we live under law and we're trying and we're working to get life right. There is another kind of freedom that the Bible also talks about, and it's freedom to access God. Um, We've just bought tickets for the up-and-coming U2 concert. And I'm just a little bit excited. We've got great seats. There's only one thing that I would like. God, there's just one thing that I would like. And that's 
an access all areas pass. So an access all areas pass is, um, if you've got an access all areas pass for a concert, it means you can go backstage and you can wander around and you can go into uh, uh, the, the green room or the dressing room and all, an access all areas pass would enable me to walk into the inner sanctum with Bono and the edge. I could give the edge some guitar lessons. <laughs> How exciting, Lord, hear my prayer. As Christians, um, the freedom that we have through Jesus gives us something that's more valuable than an all-access pass to a U2 concert. Our freedom gives us direct access to God. It says in Ephesians 3.12, In Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Again, I love the Passion Translation. We have boldness through him and free access as kings and queens before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. You see, his faithfulness has made us righteous. And because of the gift of righteousness that is bestowed upon us, we have access to God. No appointments are necessary. You don't have to um, go through any rituals. There's no need for special language. We just go and we call God our dad. And we just got to learn to keep our, short, uh, our prayers short, unlike my sermons. We need to keep them simple and we need to keep them frequent. You see, Jesus didn't die to make us religious. He died to free us to enjoy relationship with God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then feel free to come before God's throne. Here, um, here there is grace. And we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. In the book of Galatians, which is, uh, uh, which is what we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, freedom is one of the great themes of Galatians. And Paul rever refers to it a number of times. So because of time, I won't go through all the scriptures. But I want to say that we as Christians have freedom from a guilty conscience. Our sins, all of our sins are forgiven. We are free. Our conscience is clear. Secondly, we are free from the power of sin. We are united together with Christ in his death and in his, and his resurrection. And he lives in us and he empowers us by his spirit. We now have the power we need to live the life we are called to live. And thirdly, we have freedom to access God to get help whenever we need it. What then, this is a big question, do we do with this incredible freedom that has been gifted to us in Christ? 
Well, Galatians 5, 13 to 14 gives us the answer. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, that's all 613 commands of the Mosaic law, can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. You see, we live in a world where people think freedom means being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, living life without limits or without restrictions or boundaries, doing things um, my way and for me. But that is not the way in which the Bible frames freedom. Christianity frames freedom in a very, very different light. You see, a Christian says, I am so privileged that my sins are all forgiven. I've been freed from the power of sin and I am free access to God the Father. Wow, what a gift. What a privilege. What am I going to do with this freedom? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to exercise this wonderful freedom to live a life of love and serve others. We are to use our freedom to love and serve others. And actually the proof that we are genuinely free is seen in the way in which we love and serve other people. Pause and think about that for a moment. What we'll do next week is we're going to unpack what it means to practically express this life of love and nurture the nature of the Spirit of Christ within us. Let me just finish with one verse. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, Jesus gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. For everyone. No one is excluded. We might think we're excluded. The church might have given us the impression that we're excluded. But I want to tell you this morning, no one is excluded. Not one of us is excluded. We cannot exclude anyone from the freedom that Christ has purchased for us. The life of freedom is available to all right here, right now. You know, if you are a, not a Christian or you are a Christian and you're struggling to make this freedom a reality, you're still struggling with guilt, you're still struggling uh, with your old sinful self, still struggling about whether you've got the right to access God, I want to tell you this morning, you are free. And God wants to, you to live in that freedom, to experience that freedom in order that you can be a person that is then liberated to live a life of love. Amen? Amen. We don't have time to finish off with a song. 
But um, I've been mentioning old songs we used to sing when I was a new Christian. So I'm going to mention one of the old songs that we used to sing when I was a new Christian. And it's, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Does anybody know this one or or alive really, really old? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is life. And I live by the power of the Holy Ghost. Where the spirit of the Lord is, I am free. I am free. I am free. Jesus' blood avails avails for me. And I live by the power of the Holy Ghost. Where the spirit of the Lord is. I am free. And every one of us, every one of us, every single one of us have the right to sing that song because it is true for you. Amen. Amen. Loving God, we just want to thank you that we are a free people. Help us, Lord, to live in the freedom that has been purchased for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so grateful. Help us, we pray. In your precious name, Lord Jesus.